and then to say a happy Father's Day on this long weekend. I also don't want to neglect uh, celebrating Youth Day, which took place on Friday. And I think that it is a good thing that they are close together because the one has an impact on the other. And um, so I just want to acknowledge our youth who is anybody up until and including my age. So I'd, li I'd like to acknowledge the youth here uh, in our service uh, tonight. We're going to do something special for you this morning. We're going to do something special for, with regards to Father's Day. But I, I do want to acknowledge those two categories this morning and say hello. Um, I am in a conversation about the parables, uh, uh, morning and evening, a different parable. We're halfway through that. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you uh, from uh, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, I thought, how do we rename it to make it sort of more current as far as relatability? You know, the parable of the prodigal son, I personally think should be named the parable of the persistent father because it's two sons, not just one. And it's about the father's behavior uh, or welcome, not the son. But I thought to sort of bring it in tune with current affairs, maybe we should call it the heir and the spare. <laughs> now, some of you are going to need to Google that reference. You're not sure what I'm talking about, but if you are watching the whole UK soap opera, then you will know that Prince Harry's book was titled Speak. So, so I, I want to talk to you about a, a, that passage of Scripture today, and I'm going to read uh, uh, quite a chunk of it from Luke chapter 15. It's, it's a big chunk at the beginning, but it's all the reading you need to do this whole week. Like, let's just... Let's just read it together. Amen. Uh, before I get to that uh, passage, I, I want to reach out of an Old Testament uh, scripture, Malachi. And I've been told by one or two people that it should be pronounced Malachi, but I'm Greek. So let's go with Malachi. Um, uh, chapter 4 from the Amplified Bible uh, says this, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. That word terrible is used differently in those days. Uh, awesome is, is a better word. Um, I will return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers and reconciliation produced by repentance so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse or even complete destruction. Do I wanted to start there by saying that I love all the special moments in the year. The Pentecost days and the Easter or Passover and the celebration of Christ's birth at Christmas. And I love Mother's Day and it's always such a great celebration. Sometimes I feel like Father's Day sort of slips under the radar as one of those in-between holidays. But I want to say something about Father's Day especially, that if a land wants to be blessed, fathers have to know their role and the relationship between this generation and the next generation must be reconciled and not separated so that the land can be blessed. And let me tell you, it's under threat. And I'm going to 
dig in before we get into Luke 15. It's under threat because now fathers are too scared to be fathers. People are being told that fathers can be mothers and mothers can be fathers. So if we've got more than one, then the other is surplus to requirements. We don't need it. If it's interchangeable, then we're being told the, the next generation is just too clever for us. We can't understand them. And there's a separation there. And let me tell you, my view is that that is all a lie. That is all a lie. There is a place for a father and a place for a mother. There is a healthy relationship between a father and a child and a child and a father. And turning it into this great mystery is a lie. It is not a mystery. It is reconciled in the cross of Jesus Christ and in healthy relationship with Him. And it is not an impossibility. It's not getting worse. It is only going to grow in Christ. You know, we're living in this really strange world in which uh, our conditions, forgive me, therapist, our conditions are becoming explanations for the downgrading of our future rather than our conditions becoming our giants that we have to find a stone to knock them out with. And you think about what I'm saying. I bump into people the other day. This really bothers me because I've been through this myself. I went through an anxiety phase did the medication, saw the therapist, needed it, got through it. But I bumped into someone the other day and I, I said, well, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, they said they very seldom leave their house. I said, why? They said, well, they've been to therapy and they've realised they're antisocial people. So your, your condition is now reprogramming your conduct as though that's the new healthy. No, all you've been told is your giant's name is antisocial. Find a stone and kill it. You can't, you can't read. I can't say, well, now I know my, my giant for a couple of years in 2018 was social anxiety. So what I've got to do is not reprogram my lifestyle to accommodate my condition. I've got to find a stone. I've got to address it. I've got to get through it. I've got to overcome it. I've got to win against it. I've got to be accountable to friends. I've got to get into it and win over it so that one day I can say, that too is a giant who is beneath my feet. That's really important. Okay, so that's the most animated and charismatic I'm going to try and be this morning. It will be calm, calmer uh, 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 as we read Luke chapter 15. So here it is. You probably note, but uh, uh, pay attention to some of the nuance in Luke chapter 15. It's the chapter of all the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost queen, the lost son. Uh, verse 11, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Just pause for a moment. Both of them got an inheritance. One wasted it and one did nothing with it. Just bear that in mind. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son uh, uh, um, uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a f severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country uh, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He, uh, uh, he longed to fill his stomach with the, with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am. Isn't it funny that the one who saw himself as spare uh, realized that there was more than enough from God and he came to his senses. Let me just pause there for a moment to say how often we make our lives a bit of a pigsty. You know, it looks like he went somewhere and landed up in a pigsty, but you know, we can make our emotions a bit of a pig pen. I know it sounds harsh what I'm saying. I'm just going to end so nicely, I promise. We get ourselves into things and into places and into situations. Then something outside of our control, like a famine, comes. And now you're vulnerable and you're stuck. And we've got to realize, every generation needs to realize we can't control everything. We need to go to the one who controls everything. We need to lean in to our heavenly Father. Because when you take things and matters into your own hands and hold the control by yourself, something will slip. And he comes to his senses and says, my, my father's servants are better off than I am. And here I am starving. And verse 18 says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up, went to his father, but while he was still a long way off. Let me just say to you, while you're a long way off, and you can't see how this is going to work out, God already sees you. While you're a long way off, God is drawing close to you. When he thought the distance was far, God said, the distance is nothing to me. And whatever seems far away for you, God is able to make close. Draw near to him, he draws near to you. God has a way of covering great distances in a moment or just in a word. Amen. Mawali was the long way for his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's a cheer moment, I think, in Scripture. That which was lost is found. Amen. Meanwhile, the church was having a moment. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. He replied to him. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, he answered, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, this rebellious son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for my son. The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's a tension in this passage of Scripture that is really remarkable I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how important it is that whenever people go, you or others go through things, that there is always a home to come back to. 
And then the type of home that God wants to create that you must come back to or need to come back to needs to have an atmosphere to it, a celebration excuse me, a celebration to it, that it is not just a house, but a home. You know, we've started to build church big time post-pandemic. The last few months, God has really started to do something in our church again. And let me tell you uh, what I love about the post-pandemic church. The pre-pandemic church was big, but it wasn't always a home. It was a house, But now it is becoming a home, a place where people know one another by name and become concerned with the affairs of one another's life as if concerned like a family member. And you know, whatever happened between the brothers, we don't know what happened between the two brothers. There must have been a fight though, or at least a tension. Here you are taking everything and leaving me to do all the hard work. I'm doing the heavy lifting of waiting, of worshiping and of working while you're out there wasting, wasting, wasting. Why should I come back in? I want to encourage you, the faithful servants need to come back home and be in the house so that you can receive the damaged, endangered, or injured sons that must come home. There needs to be somebody at the house when they visit again. Can you say amen? There's got to be somewhere, someone at the house. There's got to be someone ready to celebrate and somebody ready to say, I welcome back. That which was lost is found again. I'm really worried that the world is going to turn any day now looking to go back home and when they come home that they won't find anybody there waiting for them at home. Or what they might find is a judgmental attitude and a pointing finger as if to say, you knew this was going to happen. How could you do this to dad? And how could you do this to us? But instead, we have to put that away and we have to say to ourselves, that which was lost is found and that which was dead is alive again. And I am here holding the fort, turning the lights on, keeping the fire lit, keeping something in the fridge because the children of God will come back home. And there is an authority and a recognition in realizing that I need God as a father and the most lost person needs God as a father. You never outgrow the need to be fathered. You never outgrow that need, you know. You outgrow a lot of things in life. You outgrow the teenage phase and you outgrow the single phase and you outgrow the married without kids phase and you outgrow a lot of things. You, you, you outgrow some of the ambitions that were unwise, but you never outgrow needing a father. And if you don't have an earthly father, I want you to know two things. There is a heavenly father that stands in the gap. And there is the body of Christ that has many fathers here who will stand in the gap with you. Can you say amen? The air and the spare. I'll tell you a story about that that has an emotional moment for me on fathering. I have a few men's groups that I lead. Actually, one's no longer men only. The teenager group uh, has uh, included some ladies, some young teenagers. But I have two businessmen's groups on a Wednesday morning, one at 7 a.m. and one at 9 a.m. And then I have a young adults group that meets at my home, although I just watch from the distance on a Thursday night. Cameron runs it. And sometimes I sit outside and sometimes I listen in and sometimes I go pray for them and sometimes we just chat. 
and there's a teenage group on a Wednesday evening at my home because I'm believing God. I'm worried about our kids. I'm believing God for a revival among teenagers uh, this year. I'm really believing for it. And I'm working towards it. And tonight we're actually going to introduce some leaders. Um, long, long story short, um, one or two of the youngsters were, were finishing their term uh, in, my, in the Thursday group. And I said, when are you going home? Where's home? I'm from Queenstown. Uh, before you go home, let me take you for lunch. Ask her how the term has been. He said that would be amazing. So we went to something good. Um, this is not a sponsored post. <laughs> oh, that should be, right? Um, we went to something good, and I asked, he was uh, chatting, and I, I won't embarrass him. I would baptized him earlier this year, so I'm tracking with his journey. And I said to him, where's home? What does your mom do? It said, what about your dad? I said, I, I don't see my biological dad. I said, why is that? He said, oh, I'm really the product of an affair, actually. And when I, I graduated, my first degree last year, I called him to tell him, and he said, I'd rather you didn't call me again. So, there was no one to take him for lunch at his graduation. Sorry. God has to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. There's something wrong um, if that happens. And it is our job to stand in the gap. You, you can't stay home when the whole world is going to hell. You can't. You have to get in the game. Because if you don't, they'll steal. The spirit of this world will steal our future from us. If you don't get in the game. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when we dwell together. An innocent, simple, simple meal for a young man to restore something I didn't even know was missing. It, it really cost me nothing to be present. And, and I really want to, I really, uh, I want to address the both brothers this morning in the context of a heavenly father the first is the privileged mindset. The brother who's been in the faith so long that they, and they've been so faithful for so long that they feel quite entitled. The privileged mindset isn't helpful. An entitled mindset isn't helpful. The, the longer we've loved the Lord and known the Lord, the less about us it needs to be and the more about him. A true mark of maturity is not how many church services you've clocked in or how many tithes you've, you've handed over or how much speaking in tongues you do. The true mark of maturity is it is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. You know, when you've been in the faith a long time and you come to church, you're the person who gets up to give your seat to someone else. 
not give me the front seat because I'm a saint. Give the seat to someone who needs to come home. I'll stand at the back, it's fine. I'll stand in the corner, it's okay. Is there anything else I can do to help? That privileged mindset of me first and others later needs to break so that God can break through and restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Me last, you first. Ask any dad, they'll tell you that's how it works. You first, I'll sort myself out later. That's fathering. None of this other stuff they're teaching us in politics and government or in corporate. I'll eat first and whatever's left, the rest of you can have. That is ungodly stuff, that. Okay, I've composed myself. I'm sorry about that. I, I thought I'd prepared well. There's the, there is the privileged mindset and then the prodigal mindset. The prodigal mindset is always apologizing and never enough. I don't even want to be a son. I just want to be a servant. I don't need much to eat. I'll just take a wage. An unwillingness to fully be restored to our heavenly father and unaware that God doesn't have punishment in mind. He has a process and then promotion in mind. It starts by emptying yourself, whether you're the privileged son or the prodigal son. The privileged son might empty themselves of entitlement and then the prodigal son must empty itself himself of injury. We all got hurt by church. We all got hurt by spouses. We all got hurt by decisions. We all have a condition. I mean, we all have a condition. Let's just own that. You know, maybe your condition is you're too tall. I can see how that can be an issue. <laughs> Certainly not too short. I joke that I found a verse in the Bible, but it's only used, only works in the King James about Saul and David. When God decides to move his blessing from Saul to David, the prophet says to David that Saul is tall, but God has not chosen him. <laughs> so by a process of very poor Deduction, I must conclude that since I am short, God has chosen me. I'm going to go with that. We've all got our issues. We just have to set them aside. They're the giant you have to kill. If we could do that, if we could get past ourselves, uh, um, God would uh, do miraculous things. I'm going to share with you three principles on how to do a turnaround in your life whether it's the prodigal son or the privileged son, the heir or the spare, both needed to turn around and come right. And I want to share those with you. And then at the end, here's what I've asked to be done. And I, I am quite excited for tonight and, and this morning. I've, I've asked three dads to come and stand on the stage with their spouses and pray for the next generation. Tonight, I've asked three young people to get up on the stage and pray for their generation. Because I think that if we can get that right, a curse will lift off the land and the blessing of God will come into a place. And can I just say, um, can I talk like a dad for a moment? I know biologically I'm not a dad, but I think I'm a dad in another way. Is that okay? Can I be cheesy about that? Uh, 
the role of a dad must never become absent. Men, do not send your wives to church and go do a hobby. You were not acting as a spiritual leader when you're acting as an uber. That's 35 bucks. I can replace you. Snap out of it. I need to stand here for protection. Can the... And if you say to me, my kids are crazy, we're not going to make it. Leave your crazy kids at home. Come to church. I mean, disciple them. But what the men can't do, fathers can't do, is surrender the responsibility of fathering to paid professionals. Teachers, pastors, kids, church people, and then go do a hobby and then say, the land is cursed. Whew. Yeah, that was tough, ne? There's no fair bay. Let's just move forward. Uh, three um, point turn. I'm use the K53 as an example for you to remember. You know, I don't remember the K53, but three points. Number one, uh, uh, separation. Uh, you know, your life changes when you realize that there is distance coming where I don't want distance. Things are getting distant and I'm getting too close to something that I don't want to be close to. That's when you know it's time for a change. You've got to watch the following distance of certain things. If you're following Jesus, close. If you're following things that are going on in the world, like Facebook and Instagram, far. In the world, not of the world. Come ye apart and be mine, says it'll follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let the dead bury their dead, follow me. Watch the following distance thing. Eventually you're following so far away you can't see anything. So you have to keep an eye on your heart and how far away it gets because a heart can harden or grow cold. Production, could you put that up for me, please? You have to keep an eye on your wealth, the things you truly value and are meaningful to you. You have to keep an eye on your health, mental and emotional and physical and spiritual. I don't allow distance to come there. So if the first is separation, the second point of a three-point turn is realization. I have to realize that something is better than something else. I have to realize three important, valuable spiritual things to grow in the Lord. Number one, I can't fix everything. I need God. Number two, I can't keep faking it. Eventually, it catches up with me. And number three, you have to realize that you can't wait to feel it. Those are three important realizations in life. The realization that I can't fix everything, I can't keep faking it, and I can't wait until I feel it. That's when things start to change. And then finally, restoration, 3.2. Separation, realization, restoration. What does the father do? Gives him a robe. 
Stop talking slave language and start talking son language. I'm not giving you the servant's overalls. I'm giving you the son's robes. You need to get your identity right. Why do you think the devil's coming after the identity? Because if we can enslave you in your own mind, I don't need chains if I can enslave you in your mind. Give you a ring, a mark of the family, the robe, the ring, and the reward, a celebration. You know, restoration is God doing those three things. Redefining your identity biblically, placing you firmly into family. The ring was a signet ring. You could look at someone's ring and go, oh, I know which family you belong to. That was how it was. Family, planting, and then uh, reward, celebration. You, You can't live in regret forever. At some point, the joy of the Lord must be restored. And you can't say, I'm so stupid for wasting all that inheritance. At some point, you're going to stop beating yourself up and you're going to say, but thank God. He restored my soul. And you're going to snap into celebration and give thanks to the Lord and begin to express gratitude. Why do you think when we sing that song, um, uh, uh, gratitude? Something happens in the house. There's an instruction you're issuing your soul. Come on, my soul. We've got a lion inside of those lungs. Am I getting the lyrics half right? You see, there's that, that's who I'm meant to be. I can't live under the blanket of regret because I've realized my error. No, I've got to step out of it and I've got to start to sing in celebration and give thanks to God. Uh, a, a father uh, um, creates a home and not just a house. I'm deeply mindful that on a day like this, you, your father may be physical, biological father may be absent as is mine, and as is the story of the young man I told you about. But that doesn't mean you have to live fatherless. And that doesn't mean you have to feel like you're abandoned. For the Spirit of God has come, adopting us. Therefore, the Scripture says, I shall never leave you. (laughs) Or also, that I will never leave you abandoned but I will be with you. And I want to encourage you to be mindful that it is a father who sent a son on a cross, not a boss who sent a servant, so that he might create in this world a people who are children of God, not servants of a a ruler. I want to encourage you uh, this morning, in a moment when we stand to pray, to be intentional about getting our hearts right, the heart of this generation to the next, and the next generation back to the fathers. I believe when we start sorting that stuff out, curses fall and blessings come. We have to restore it. Can you say amen to that? Would you please, uh, is that a clappable moment? Would you please stand with me? We're not, I just need five more minutes, please. So this is a, a key moment. And I've, I've invited some of the men in, um, in my groups. You know what's amazing? Five years ago or pre-pandemic, I, w- I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have had the relationship with enough fathers to phone and say, hey, would you get up on the stage and pray a prayer with me? 
I don't know if we, we got to know each other well enough. And then now, I, I literally had a list of people I know if I'd asked them, they would have gotten up to pray. And, and I, I asked a few. So uh, uh, Craig and, and Teresa, would you guys come up onto, onto the stage? And Nick and Kathy York, uh, would, you, would you guys um, uh, come up? And Vuyo, uh, uh, Vuyo and Vuyo Kazi Bangazi, uh, would you also please come, come up? Uh, thank you. And and by the way, while these these guys come, uh, they celebrated 15 years wedding anniversary. Um, uh, this week, I think, if I'm not mistaken. In fact, um, this whole month, said the man who has to buy the gifts. I'm not sure how long ago we were at Varsity together. 20 years plus, even before marriage. Amazing. Uh, 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 the men I, uh, are, are in one of my groups on, on a Wednesday. Um, I've also uh, asked somebody to just come stand with us, but not to pray, because they're doing it tonight. Uh, uh, Mark uh, and, and Bev Davidson, are, are, you, are you here? Would you, would you also uh, come on up? Let me tell you, Mark and Bev are actually um, back to South Africa from Australia. They've were pastors for many years. Uh, Mark still teaches online in Australia, but online. And uh, they are serving together with their teenagers in helping build the 6 p.m. And I'm trying to make sure that the 6 p.m. and the AIM still has a connection. Um, and y'all, y'all come on up here and uh, thank you very much. Um, I, I feel like these kinds of moments are holy moments. And I've asked each of them just to pray a prayer. You know, one of the things... I correctly was criticized for is that we built fast, but we didn't build strong. And I made a commitment after the pandemic that we would build strong because then the Lord would build fast. And the way we were going to build strong was to build relationally. And I love that I've been able to, there are even guys who messaged me and said, have you found the three men? I'm happy to do it. If not, like I'll do it. And um, so I've, I've, I have warned them all. I asked them to please warn their wives that they're coming up onto the stage and get me into trouble. But um, I'm going to ask the three men if you would pray, and then, and then I, I'm going to pray after that. Is that okay? Can I start with you, Lewis? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our Heavenly Father, our world is hurting. Our families are hurting. We pray, Father, for your restoration of love, back to the Father. We pray for your restoration of love back down to our, chi- our children, Lord. Some men have challenging relationships with their fathers and unable to show love to their child children and their sons and daughters. We pray, Father, that you give us armor in your word to fight the spirit of this world that is telling them that things are different that roles are not the same. It's a spiritual world, Father, and we ask you for your armor, we ask you for your word, we ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and restore those broken hearts and for the new generation to know that you are our Lord and Savior. You are the Father and many fathers have fathers in you and we are the fathers to our young bones. Thank you, Lord. Today, Lord, on this special day, we acknowledge you, Lord God, 
as the ultimate father, the true definition of a good father, the perfect example of sacrificial and unconditional love. Help us, Lord, as men, to take up the mantle as fathers in our families and to be intentional as leaders in our homes and good fathers to our children. I pray, Lord, for the countless fatherless families in South Africa and the effect this is having on the children in our nation. I pray for strong, God-fearing men to step up into and step out into these important fatherly roles for children and families where no father figure is present in the communities around them. I pray against the attack on the conventional family unit in modern society. Help us to fight to protect the traditional family unit with fathers as good and godly leaders in their homes and the vital role this has to play in society at large. I pray for the future generations, our children and our grandchildren. Help us as fathers to instill discipline in them, to raise them in the ways of the Lord and to raise up a generation of strong, God-fearing men and women who will dream big dreams, who will change the world for good and will advance your plans and purposes and your kingdom here on earth. I pray for comfort today for those who have lost their fathers. Help them to remember and cherish the memories and legacy left behind. Comfort them today as the stark reminders of days such as these bring up past or recent grief of losing someone they dearly loved and the void that this has left behind. We think of and honor all the fathers you have already taken home, my own loving dad included, who I lost just two months ago. Happy first Heavenly Father's Day, Dad, and to all the dads in heaven. Lastly, Lord, I pray for any broken or strained relationships between fathers and their sons or daughters. Let hard hearts be softened today, Lord. Let strongholds be broken. Let men who have done wrong by their children, or have not been there or shown up when their kids needed them most, or have said or done hurtful things to their children, get down on their knees today and ask for forgiveness from God and from their children, and let children who have hurt their fathers do the same. Heal broken relationships today, Lord. If there are any fathers or children here today who feel God prompting them right now in this moment, let them act today without delay, before it's too late, and pick up that phone or set up that meeting to apologize and do whatever it takes to restore that broken relationship. And finally, Lord, we pray that those who need to restore their broken relationship with you today, Lord, as their God and their Savior, as their loving Father, that they would run back into your arms today and feel your loving embrace as you shower them in your amazing grace and love. We pray this in your holy name, Lord Jesus, our God and our Heavenly Father. Amen. Father God, we're just so conscious of the fact that you still see good in us, Lord, that uh, going back to Eden, you, you, you had a vision for us and that you put us in charge. And Lord, I just feel today as a father, as a son, as a brother, as an uncle, as a husband, I need to own that, that you've given us, that, that you want us to rule, Lord. 
we have a job to do on this earth and uh, acknowledge that, Lord. We stand as men in this house. Take on that responsibility. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us day after day of just who you are, of who we are to you, Lord. And I pray that the men of this house, that we would stand up, that we would run the good run, the race, Lord, that we would fight the good fight, that we would be men that build and not break down, that we would be men that find solutions and not highlight problems, that we would be men that uh, leave a legacy and not regret, Lord. And I pray that you would give us wisdom in the workplace, Father, that you'd give us compassion over the communities, that you would give favor over our families, and that we would be known as men that work hard, Lord, that love our families, and that uh, just serve and honor the Lord our God. And thank you that we're not alone, that we stand together, that we're part of your church, Lord, and, and that we can be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. Well, I don't, that wrecked me a bit. I'm going to just pray with you guys uh, and over you all and Mark and um, uh, um, Bev, thank you for what you guys are doing uh, with us in the 6 p.m. especially, helping us walk a journey as we build for the next generation. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, so much for the privilege and power of fathers and for being our Heavenly Father. Will you please establish something foundational in this church today that this assurance of a home well-led by a Heavenly Father and homes well-led by our earthly fathers will become a safe place for the world to come back to. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout of, and thank you. Thank you, you guys, very much.